Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane Rinse Podcast, Volume 7, Issue 314, Marvel Puzzle Quest. As always, you can play along with the show. Our future five upcoming episodes are Final Fantasy 3, the Soul Edge series, that's Soul Edge or Blade if you're in Europe, Soul Calibur and the series of the Soul Calibur. Uh, we've got the Worms series, considerably more titles than that, I won't reel them all off. The Stanley Parable, and then we return for our Resident Evil series with Resident Evil Code Veronica. As always, you can check the podcast out at canonrince.com. We do offer a Patreon service to get the podcasts a week early now. We request a minimum of a dollar a month, or roughly 81 cents in euros. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can donate via PayPal. The link is on the website. Um, If you want something a little bit more tangible for your hard-earned money, we do offer some memorabilia via uh, Spreadshirt for some wonderful t-shirts, standard cane and rinse or sound of play or dangleberries t-shirts, if you will. Uh, We do also have an Amazon Associates link, so anything that you buy through Amazon, we'll receive a little bit of affiliation from that. If you're not Please follow the podcast on iTunes or your uh, appropriate podcast listening service um, and rate and review it on there, please. And we do also have pages on Facebook where we deliver a lot of gaming news um, and social interaction with the community. Also, Instagram and Twitter. If you're into just Sound of Play, that's the podcast that we offer where it's just gaming music. We offer a special on every 10th episode. Uh, It really is a fantastic uh, show. So if games music is more your thing than this, by all means, check that out, and again, please rate and review. Anyway, on to this recording. Joining myself for issue 314 are James Carter. Hello. Brad Galloway. Hello. And I am, of course, Carl Moon. So we'll start with this. Right out of the gates, we have some community feedback from Kantaris on the forum. And he said, I sort of hate whoever decided to put this on the set list this year. Marvel Puzzle Quest is the only match three microtransaction laden mobile game that ever got its claws into me and I have no idea why. I deleted this a long time ago. Seeing it on the Kane Rinse schedule compelled me to take another look to see if I couldn't work out the secret sauce that made me get addicted to this game in particular. It's been at least a solid six hours cumulatively since I reinstalled. I still don't know why I'm hooked, but it's now approaching 1am and here I am mulling over my superhero roster and deciding who needs replacing. Sorry Cap, you're not pulling your weight. A heartfelt curse on whoever is responsible for this, and may all your tokens be standard. <laughs> I've got to say, I, I, that, unlucky Carl. that's my fault. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a show I've hoped to get on to Rinse for several years now, and I'm delighted to actually be hosting this one in particular. So this is Marvel Puzzle Quest, or previously known as Marvel Puzzle Quest Dark Reign. It has a game ranking rating across several systems, as it appeared on consoles uh, and mobile, and we'll discuss this in more depth later on. There are, they are very different games. Uh, the, the Xbox 360 version has an average rating of 70%. The Xbox One, with its HD release, got 85% on average. The mobile release uh, at 74.6, and the PC release, which does stay uh, level with the mobile version, an even 80%. IGN did once give this a 9.1 out of 10. Another site called Games Critics or Game Critics gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, and a section of the review is as follows. I've probably spent at least 50 or 60 hours on Marvel Puzzle Quest and I'm still hungry for more. It's exactly the sort of game I want on my phone. Deep enough to keep my attention but small enough to shut off at a moment's notice. 
The use of Marvel characters is great, and the core idea of connecting special abilities to matching crystals is just as good now as it was back in the original Puzzle Quest, Challenge of the Warlords. I was a huge fan of that title, and Marvel Puzzle Quest proves itself to be a worthy new school successor. That was from January 28th, 2014, by Brad Galloway. <laughs> that was a good piece. I'm, I'm proud of that piece. I did <laughs> yeah, a good job. So, so in January 2014, you had roughly 50 to 60 hours in this game. Would you like to hazard a guess at what it stands at now? Oh, man. You know, I actually tried to calculate that out, uh, and I, the number was just... My, my, my phone had didn't have enough room for all the zeros on it. It was too big <laughs> of a number. Um, I don't have an exact number, but I will say this. I know... For a fact, I have spent more time on Marvel Puzzle Quest than any other video game in my entire life, and that's taking into account all systems. Anything that I've ever played, Marvel Puzzle Quest is by far number one the most time sunk. I mean, before this, I probably would have said maybe Monster Hunter at about maybe 1,200 hours. Uh, I might have said Tekken 2. I think I got maybe 600 hours into Tekken 2. Uh, but no, Puzzle Quest dwarfs both of those, and I, I shudder to think how much of my actual lifespan has been spent on this game. It's frightening. <laughs> um, I, too, hate to think how much of my lifespan and bank balance have been spent on this oh, game. Dear. Oh, <laughs> dear. What I can say is that I currently stand at 1,557 days, I believe. That's how many different days I have opened this app since I started playing it at the end of December 2013. Sales-wise, it's very hard to gauge with it being a free-to-play game. Obviously, more so relate to microtransactions in terms of how much it generates, but we know it has over 5 million downloads on the Google Play Store. As for PC downloads, that was hard to gauge, and then on the consoles, that was nigh on impossible. I couldn't find any exact figures, but needless to say, it's been relatively successful. The developer is Demiurge Studios, or for the HD port, WayForward Technologies. It's published by D3 Publisher, who also have a Magic the Gathering uh, version of Puzzle Quest and also Adventureland, I believe. Release dates-wise, Android and iOS was October 3rd, 2013, shortly followed by the PC release December 5th, 2013. It made its way to the PS3, PS4 and Xbox 360 on October 16th, 2015, and then finally on Xbox One on February 4th, 2016. I've mentioned that it's a match three, but I think it's a little bit deeper than your average match three. Uh, and there's certainly a reason why myself, Brad, and Kintaris, whose feedback we had earlier in the show, have come back. Our histories of the game, however, will start with James. Uh, yeah, I grabbed this. Uh, I think I was on iOS at the time. I might have been the tablet. Um, but I certainly grabbed this day one. Um, I heard about it coming out, and obviously a Puzzle Quest... Absolutely, I've known haven't put hadn't played that much Puzzle Quest before, but um, stuff like Puzzle Fighter, um, I was familiar with and had kind of tinkered with a bit, and so the idea of a Puzzle Quest game with Marvel characters, exactly as Brad said in his review, just seemed appealing. And for I think a good six months or so, put uh, a, a similar amount of time to to what you and Brad have been doing for much more than that. But you know, on every day, making sure to keep uh, getting my uh, resupply crates and uh, you know keep uh, grinding out those uh, those characters and covers and you know all all the all the stuff we're going to get into in terms of the uh the rpg nature of it and yeah i, I fell off after that but i have uh, this past few days gone back to the android version on my phone and uh, also grabbed just this afternoon the uh, xbox one version just to see how the console differs from the uh, from the mobile version 
which is quite significantly, as it turns out. And Brad, how about yourself? At the time that this came out, I was really falling away from iPhone games. I don't know how long I've had my iPhone. That's a good question. I should have figured out before the show. But I started out, you know, being kind of fascinated with it, seeing the different types of games being developed. And really quickly, I ran out of things that I thought were worth my time. I just started, you know, getting caught up with all sorts of stuff that I thought was garbage. So I hadn't been paying attention to my phone for quite some time. And then uh, I had heard uh, a friend of mine, Rowan Kaiser, maybe you guys know him from Twitter. Mm. uh, He started banging on about this just like daily. And interestingly, he kind of was picking up the mantle that this was an RPG in some ways. I don't know that I would really agree with that. Um, I haven't heard his full his full argument supporting that, but he was really approaching it from the RPG side uh, and he just kept talking about it, talking about it, talking about it. And although Rowan and I don't always have the same taste in games, he's a real sharp guy and I do listen to things that he says. So I'm like, well, if Rowan likes it this much, maybe I'll give it a shot, expecting to delete it like later that day. Uh, and here I am, 1,578 days later, uh, I haven't <laughs> haven't deleted it yet, so <laughs> clearly something hooked me. Um, I mean, part of it is that I've been a Marvel fan, uh, you know, basically my entire life. I don't read the comics so much these days, uh, just because I don't have time, and also because those things are expensive. Comic <laughs> books are so expensive these days. Um, but always been a Marvel fan, and with the resurgence of Marvel, you know, with movies and stuff, I think this is really good timing. And also, I mean, just straight up, I often find myself in situations where I have time to do something, but I don't have enough time to play something in depth, yeah. you know, and I've, I was talking to friends the other day about the concept of free gaming, which I'm, maybe that's not the right title, but it's like you're somewhere that you ordinarily wouldn't be playing a game, but you just have just enough time to do this one thing. And Puzzle Quest for me is the epitome of free gaming where I don't have enough time to open up a 3DS or a Vita or a Switch. But I got like just enough time to get a couple of matches in. And so I don't really count it as playtime. It's just it works in with all the cracks and, and crannies in my life. So that's kind of where Puzzle Quest has lived for all these years. And uh, I'm I'm still playing. I am still addicted. It's kind of like the uh, the mantra about the, the best camera being the one you've got with you. The best game is the one that you've got right there access to whenever you've yeah. got a yeah, few, few moments to spare. Oh, there's a lot of truth in that for sure. Yeah. My history stems somewhat from a, a mutual friend of mine and Brad's called Paul. Um, he was a big fan of uh, the Puzzle Quest games that were on the Xbox 360, and he mentioned them several times when I was playing multiplayer, but I never picked them up myself. I didn't really get the concept, um, and I'm not that into sort of high fantasy stuff. But Brad wrote an article on his blog about the games that he'd been playing, and one of them was Puzzle Quest, and it was free. It was Marvel Puzzle Quest, sorry. Uh, it was free. I thought, well, I might as well download it. Again, <laughs> I think that holds true for myself. I didn't expect to have it by like the weekend. I thought it would be deleted, long gone. And I ended up putting about four hours into it as soon as I started. Opened it up. I sat there watching TV, just playing this game, matching away, seeing the screens, getting all these new characters that I actually recognised, um, and thinking that this was actually pretty cool. Uh, the the whole pacing of it at the start, and yeah, it's kind of crazy that four years on, I'm still playing the game, and it's a shadow of what it was when we first started playing it. Again, something we will definitely be talking about later. Uh, but this game has gone through quite the evolution, far more than you would think from your standard free-to-play game, or certainly other ones that I've played in the past. So design-wise, it very much follows the Puzzle Quest formula. 
Not a formula I was overly keen on prior to playing Marvel Puzzle Quest. I watched videos and, like I said, I talked with my friend Paul about how you uh, would essentially match these gems away and you would unlock abilities for whichever character you had with you and you would duel your opponent. Um, And it all seemed a little bit, I don't know, Dungeons and Dragons and that wasn't so much my sort of thing to play digitally. But you throw some Marvel characters in there and I am hooked. So the formula stands along the lines that there are six different colours of gem in red, yellow, green, blue, purple and black. At launch, environmental tiles were a third kind of tile that you used to get where you could have the stage interact with you. And you collect the resources, only three of which are tied to your character in terms of colour and and strength of ability. Uh, you would collect action points or AP uh, to be able to use those powers and you would try and drop your opponent's health to zero before they dropped yours. So it became sort of uh, a match three and board control at the same kind of time. Um, That is a pretty familiar formula across all the Puzzle Quest games. Um, And I know, Brad, you said that you were a fan of the original Puzzle Quest. Uh, Would you say that that has stayed true with Marvel Puzzle Quest, that that key Puzzle Quest formula? Yeah, the original one, Challenge of the Warlords, was pretty mind-blowing when I played it because that was the very first Match 3 I had ever seen that had anything more to it than just Match 3. You had a couple of characters, you could level them up, uh, and they actually had, like, skill trees, and there were, like, many different abilities so that by the end of the game, you had, like, a whole slew of powers. You could get, like, mounts that you could ride. Those would add abilities. But, like, at its core, it was still the same thing. It was, you know, for example, match a red, that would power your attack ability, or match a green, that would power your healing ability. And so you would kind of strategically survey the board, try to match the gems that would be to your benefit, uh, and whatever would coincide with whatever powers you had equipped on your guy. And there was, like, a whole, a giant story mode. There were all these different characters you could fight against. There were places you could grind for experience. There was an end game. There was a final boss. So, although structurally not exactly the same as Puzzle Quest, like, at its roots, like, the core of what you're doing and how it's match three plus all these other strategic elements, basically the same thing. It's interesting there that you mention uh, mounts and stuff because this is something that doesn't have that, and we're now four years down the line from when it launched. But if anyone's read the patch reports for what's going next, we're actually getting that kind of thing. Um, So the next major update is actually essentially going to offer companions, if you will, or things to assist you, which is kind of cool and sort of what I expected when I started playing the game. But I quickly forgot about that when the game offered so many other things. Visually, I think this game appeals to me a lot more than the previous Puzzle Quest games. I mentioned that I'm not overly keen on high fantasy, or at least there are very few high fantasy things that have actually had me sort of attracted to them and want to play more. It's nothing against the genre. Some people love it. It's just not to my tastes. But again, Marvel characters are so instantly recognisable, and this is a game that immediately throws Iron Man and Hawkeye and Wolverine and Black Widow at you right out the gates, and happy days, we all know these you get the impression that Demiurge are a studio that love Marvel comics. They know their histories. They love representing those characters as best they can with animations and art styles and uh, a variety of characters. So uh, when the game launched, I mentioned you already had Iron Man, but there's a 
tier system for categories, and so you ha- you had a one star Iron Man, and there was a three star Iron Man, and um, you would have different versions of each because anyone who knows the comics would know that you get Wolverine isn't just Wolverine. You know, there's been many different iterations of him across many different versions of the X Men, and they're represented in the game. And I always find that that is quite appealing. But certain art styles that are used on certain characters across the board maybe lack a sense of consistency, and some don't quite come in come across right. I think that's fair to say. I am a big, big art fan. In fact, at one point, I had even considered becoming an artist professionally. Um, didn't pursue it, but my heart is still there. And when the game debuted, they had a really good, like very consistent uh, visual style. The artist they had was awesome. I really liked his stuff very, very much. Uh, but apparently that guy left uh, to go do something else for Demiurge. I think he went to the uh, Magic the Gathering game or something. And they just had this rotating cast of artists, which some were better than others. Some I thought were just, oh, God, awful. And it was so <laughs> disappointing to see the game that looked so great and so uniform at first kind of go through these rough patches. I think they're in a much better space now. They've got a they're they're kind of coming back to some consistency. Um, it's not as tight or as, as flashy as their first style, but. At least we're past some of those rough days. It seems like, I mean, I you know, not to cast shade on anybody, but God, some of those art pieces that got through, I was like, oh my God, what are you guys thinking? This is terrible. Some of that stuff was so bad. One thing I thought was really interesting about the way the game looked initially was using um, classic covers from the comics as kind of inspiration for the the characters um, to the point where, yeah, it kind of felt like the original artwork was a take on established styles that the characters have been drawn in, in in comic books, but there was a coherence to it. But yeah, occasionally there's just, obviously uh, there's different aspects and perspectives on stills of the characters because when you're playing on, on the board, you've just got kind of a, a still say, uh, side aspect of the character and just there's a, there's occasionally some of those where from one aspect the character looks fine and then it'll switch aspect and suddenly there's a view of the character that just doesn't seem to fit all that well the th- classic thor for example his uh, I, i'm really not a fan of the picture of him when you're playing on the board looks like his helmet's fallen down too far over his face <laughs> or whatever um and uh so she wasn't in the game uh, originally, but now she uh, she is and is a character that I've been using quite a lot, is uh, Miss Marvel. Is it Camilla Khan? Kamala yeah, Khan. Kamala Khan. There's yeah. a couple of her uh, pieces of artwork where I just think that that doesn't look right at all. There's just something about the, the way that it makes her face shape and body shape look that's just really it's weird. It's weird. Yeah. When I'm when sure. when when that character released, it reminded me of Alvin and the Chipmunks, which seems really <laughs> weird. But it definitely seems to just fall in line with that for me. Yeah. So so there's there's some like you, Brad. Yeah. There's some artwork that I think is really cool and really good, and uh, kind of hones back to what I I like. This game clearly comes from people who had a respect for and a love for these characters from the comic books, and I, I like all that stuff. But yeah, there's there's a couple of bits of the artwork where. It, feels like it falls down a little bit and i'm not entirely sure a bit like a bit like capcom with their current street fighter artwork i'm not sure why they don't just redesign it 
One thing that I think is actually to the game's credit is they actually do strike out in their own direction sometimes where, you know, at first they were basically just taking characters straight out of the comics. But like as the game has gone on, they've had different versions or they've come up with like original versions or newer takes on some characters, which I think are really cool. Um, I mean, I think uh, Peggy Carter is probably the biggest example of that, where she, you know, was a character from the comics. But the way that she's interpreted as a new type of Captain America in Puzzle Quest, I believe that was the debut of that particular character model. Uh, stunning, like really stunning and really exciting mm. to see like these like new alternate versions. And and now uh, in most recent times, like we're getting all sorts of new takes. So it's it's kind of fresh and kind of exciting to see what a character is going to look like. In terms of the animation that's in there, it, it's kind of cool. Every character has their own unique style of when you trigger a power. You'll see an animation flash across the screen. Um, these are all really sort of in-depth. Some are treated with more respect than others. Some are dialed in almost in terms of the animations, but some of them are really cool and really represent the characters well. Old Man Logan, for example, has some really cool menacing uh, poses that he does, but they released a patch due to the fast play style of PvE, which, again, I'll mention uh, when we discuss PvE, that allowed you to sort of skip the animations, because some of them are quite time-consuming, especially with passive abilities that are triggering constantly. Um, and as a result, I've kind of turned them off, and <laughs> I want to see them all, but I just don't have the time, almost, because if I sit and watch all the animations, you do lose time on all the other people that go ahead of you. Um, and the way that things are scaled, if you're not fast, you don't really get the rewards you want, and it's kind of a shame. But it's there for people who want to play it as a more relaxing, fun time game. Uh, some of the animations are really cool. I've turned them off, as I have with the sound and the music. In fact, I have not heard sound or music in Marvel Puzzle Quest for <laughs> about three years, except for when they had a flaw with uh, Lockjaw <laughs> that meant that the audio was really loud, even when it was muted on your phone. <laughs> and that terrified me. Um, how about yourselves? Uh, animation, sound, music? Yeah, on the animation, yeah. It's, so even the ones that are just a couple of stills one after the other, which I know that's what animation is, I get that. But there's a couple where it's just like um, classic Hawkeye has a couple of, of abilities, one of which is literally just him kind of kneeling with his bow in his hand, and then the next uh, animation is just a, a crosshair going onto the board. Like, really simple stuff like that. But there's also some really neat touches, like, so some of the enemies you face, like the hammer spies, where they do their silent attack, there's just like this ripple goes across the top of the board as, yeah. as they sneak in and you know, attack your characters. Um, so there's really neat stuff like that as well, where they really do get across something about what's happening and what the ability is in the way they've chosen to to depict the animation, uh, which is really cool. So there's some really neat sort of stuff like that, I think. I think the still frames of animation, some are a lot more uh, framed than they are smooth animation. Yeah. Uh, they're quite representative of almost the comic books that they come from, of, of seeing certain things, but some of them are really, really cool. But again, I think even more so than the lack of consistency that we mentioned with the look of the characters, the animation uh, can be something that is really beautifully crafted or something that looks like it was done and started at like 2pm on a Friday. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some stuff that just really wants to just get across something happened here that uh, and let's move on yeah it's it's very much here's the character here's an effect that goes across um for example punisher's uh molotov cocktail that see like first time i saw it, it was like oh that's a neat effect because you get like the spinning uh yeah. bottle on fire and then it lands 
but th- certainly on the Xbox One when I was playing it earlier, the flame effects like green, weird green flame. It doesn't really work, and it, it's not how it's affecting the board either. Just it, like some bizarre stuff where it gets the message across, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily look all that great, especially where it's been transferred from a mobile phone screen onto like yeah. a giant forty-inch TV screen. It's mm-hmm. funny you mentioned the Punisher's uh, Molotov cocktail though, because that is one of my most hated animations. Like <laughs> for the last four years, I can't stand it, and it's I, this is really persnickety of me, and I, I admit that. But like. When the Punisher throws his Molotov cocktail, I, it doesn't seem like it's like rotating the correct way, like the yeah, direction that yeah, it yeah, travels. Yeah. It just seems like, did no one see this? Like, this is not what it would look like if he had threw a bottle. I know it's a small thing, but God, it gets under my skin like so crazy. Um, <laughs> so I hate that animation, but there's a lot that are like really awesome. There's a lot that are really, really good. That's true. Uh, there are, are, of course, just like everything else in the game, uh, a little bit of lack of consistency. Some of them are just really lame. Like so, sometimes the character shows up and there's a flash and nothing, nothing happens or sometimes... It just doesn't seem to move correctly. Mm. Uh, I think that one of the new uh, Angel, uh, one of his flying motions, it just looks like he's not flying the right way. I'm like, what is going on with these things? Uh, <laughs> but for the most part, I think they are really cool. And there's a lot of really, really awesome ones. One of my favorite ones is uh, from the Falcon when he's in his Captain America version. Uh, he's a poor character, terrible character, but his animations are great. Dive bomb? Yeah, when he does the dive bomb, it looks so like majestic and powerful and amazing. Like It looks like it's going to kick all ass. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a good move, but it's he's just a bad character. So unfortunately, he looks cool, uh, and he has some great animations. And there's other characters like that as well where, man, they just look so great. Um, one other personal favorite one is uh, one of the new Hawkeyes. Funny we're talking about Hawkeye so often because he's not really that great of a character in general. <laughs> but uh, he has one that was taken from one of the um, comic panels of his uh, series it's where he's, like, totally naked and he's diving uh, for cover. Yeah. And he's got his own face covering his private parts. And it is the most hilarious <laughs> animation ever. I totally did a double take the first time I saw it. I thought it was great. Um, I do love that the, the series has a uh, sense of humor in it. It's not totally yeah. uh, po-faced the entire time. Yeah, it, it definitely adds a little bit of character and depth to the game. Um, we've mentioned obviously characters already, but what is depth without things to do? So with that, modes available in the game, it's obviously doing something right if I've been playing it for four years. Uh, by default, you've got the story, which is the it's the Dark Rain story arc. Um this is what the game was originally titled on consoles. It's still called Dark Rain on PC and mobile. It's now just Marvel Puzzle Quest. Um, it's a series of events across four or five panels uh, with multiple missions in each in which you earn um, rewards and resources to be able to further develop your characters. Um, and it also has, a bit, I suppose, a story um, a, a range of panels. Each PVE mode, uh, play versus environment mode, also features a series of uh, storylines where it goes back and forth. Kind of cool. Again, I kind of mentioned that I've turned the animations off because it ends up taking too long. And if you're trying to play PVE and you're reading all the story that comes across, again, that's kind of slow. So it's almost counterproductive to deliver the story when they want to make your rankings work in such a manner, which is a shame. But on the times that I've actually read them, they're not too bad. Um, it's it's not stellar comic book writing of, of the, the finest, but it's kind of cool and it adds a bit of background story to the characters. I don't, I don't think it's ever going to win any awards for it, but I think no. it's a nice touch. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's always uh, it's always good to see those the first time because they do repeat events. And so the first time I'm always I always read all the panels and 
like you said, it's pretty lightweight. I mean, I appreciate they give it to you. It just gives you a little something to sink your teeth into if you're a fan of the of the characters. Sometimes some of that writing is pretty funny, actually. But once yeah. you've seen it once, yeah. there's no reason to see it again. And I just skip through it all these days, unless there's a new a new event. Yeah, um, we, we do get new events every so often. I wouldn't say that we've had them as often in the last three years as we did in the first year. The game does deliver a consistent amount of characters, especially now, um, with roughly every fortnight you get a new character to uh, add to your roster. Um, but when you do get a story, it is always a little bit of a treat because the missions are different, the enemies that you fight are different, etc. It's kind of nice to see. There's a PvP mode or player versus player mode. You take on another individual, but you don't take that individual on live. It's the last team that they had victory with, and then you beat that team. And you earn a certain amount of points based on where they are in the leaderboard. The highest you can earn per match is 75. The lowest you can earn per match is... Is it one? I'm not sure. I think it's one, yeah. I think it's one. one. Yeah, so it can be quite low. Obviously, as you score, you earn certain check marks of rewards so at say 100 points you'll unlock a, a standard token at 300 you'll unlock a token that belongs to the event at 575 you unlock 10 command points etc and these are all completely irrelevant to anyone who's never played the game and confusing there are a lot of resources but it's kind of cool that you have these sort of mental check marks of where you're happy to get to in pvp to unlock a reward uh and Likewise, if you get hit, you lose points. So you do have the ability to shield for a period of time, which costs hero points, which is a resource of finance that you can actually buy with microtransactions, but you can actually earn them uh, in-game, as you can with all resources. That's sort of, I think you get an event roughly every two and a half to three and a half days. That's always sort of ongoing, and they included uh, a series of seasons where you would play for the month uh, and unlock further rankings, not just on PvP ranking, but on overall season ranking. Um, You've got PvE mode, which is similar to the story mode, but your score uh, goes against other people, but you're only facing predefined series of events. PvE and PvP do feel very different to play. And then you get a series of special events, which came in about two years ago, I think, with the um, uh, Avengers movie, I think, the first Avengers or the second Avengers movie. And these are events that are quite inconsistent but have high rewards where you 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 score your total and it goes with another 19 people in your alliance uh, for a total score. And when you hit the top score, you un- unlock rewards. I, I, it's it's tough to encapsulate everything that the game offers, but I mean, I think it's safe to say you do have a very clear PvP, and that has its own very fast-paced, very cutthroat feel to it. And like you said, it feels wildly different from PvE, which is really chill, kind of play at your own pace. You're, it's like you versus the AI, and you can also choose your own difficulty level. So if you just want an easy ride, you can choose an easier, easier level and just kind of plow through it, no problem, you know, as you're yeah. watching a TV show. If you want, like, your highest level of challenge, that would be, like, PvP playing in the top tiers where every single move counts and, you know, victory can be decided with a single match. Um, one thing to notice I think is really cool is like when you have the special events one thing i really like personally is um when the special boss characters come around um right currently we're doing a boss event against apocalypse but there's also galactus and sometimes we do the civil war event where like you'll pick a side whether you're supporting iron man or captain america and whatever side you pick you're fighting the opposite character so if you're on team iron man 
and you're fighting Captain America as your your final boss. So I do yeah. like how they change it up and give you these like you know one off events or like special things where the the boss characters have new attacks or different rules or different ways to play the game. So even after you get used to the PVE and the PVP, you can still have like this other new set of rules to play, which really keeps help game, uh, helps keep the game fresh over time. Yeah, I think that's the, the great thing about kind of the different combination of events is whenever you log on, it doesn't necessarily feel like you have to stick to the timetable laid down. There's always going to be some event or some daily challenge there for you to tackle. Yeah, they've done a really good job of making, despite the fact that PvP is is asynchronous versus a an, an AI controlled team, it's still a player's team that they've crafted yes. and put together. And it means that you're not necessarily fighting characters that would be in a story sense on the same side. So and yeah, it does have a very different feel and the stakes are always there's always that risk reward of when you see what their ranking is and how much uh how many points you could get back if you win, of thinking, well, yeah, but can I win? <laughs> no, there's always that that uh, yeah. concern. Um, and obviously, yeah, yeah, that's when you really start getting into um, wanting to invest in shields and stuff like that, which I think had come in uh, by the time uh, I'd stopped playing or before I'd stopped playing the game originally. But yeah, I think it's just they've got a lot of different um, kind of events there. So even if you only wanted to play PvE or story stuff, there's always going to be an event for you to tackle. Um, there's always going to be something for you to do pretty much every day that you log in, uh, which obviously is encouraged by having time-limited events and uh, resupply crates uh, on a daily basis and stuff. So, yeah, they've done a good job of giving something for everyone. They have tried to balance these things out. They've tweaked the rules every so often. So we've seen PvP go from a scoring total to a win total where... Um, you would have to, I think top prize was 40 wins in the three and a half days, mm. which is actually quite a lot because people like myself who have a relatively strong roster could hit the higher score considerably quicker than 40 games and get the same level of reward. We've had PvE where they've allowed certain nodes to be hit over and over and over again for one point. And yes, there are people that will hit one node over for eight hours yeah. to finish top. It I, I, sounds absolutely crazy, but it's there in this game. Um, there are people that do actually do that. I don't know how they find the time or the patience, but you know whatever floats their boat, it keeps them happy. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I think over the four years, they've not necessarily got everything right, but they have always tried to keep a consistent level of balance across stuff. It, the, the, they haven't waited for major content packs to be released to patch things, uh, which has caused certain other major franchise games to sort of fall short on balancing issues. And I think in terms of variation and keeping things fresh and, uh, and updating, that is probably the strongest point of Demiurge and D3 getting together. And that has certainly gone across the roster. I would say that that is definitely the case in the last three years. The first year was quite questionable. We did get a lot of repeating of Avengers and X-Men characters. But some of the things that the game has done is Captain Marvel. So we had Carol Danvers um, as Captain Marvel came into the game. Um, rather than just being Miss Marvel, we had Thor come into the game when the whole... Ferrari came over about Thor suddenly being a, a female. Um, this game did it way before anyone else, uh, or for Thor, because it's four star, um, as the community has dubbed it, came into the game. Um, we also had Amadeus Cho, totally awesome Hulk, came into the game, the first Korean superhero. 
so the, these were all things that Puzzle Quest have pushed in well in advance, but they've also not been afraid to use lesser known characters, uh, which which great. I remember when I started playing, not long after we started playing, we had Black Panther, Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist. We've since had characters from The Runaways. These are the characters that, obviously, Black Panther's fairly well-known now after a fantastic movie and a monumental launch, but he's been in the game for years. Um, Iron Fist I knew of because he was in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, but Luke Cage I wasn't overly aware of, and I think it's kind of cool that we've had these characters and that they're not afraid to sort of throw in one that maybe people aren't so aware of that aren't at the level of, say, a Wolverine or a Captain America. Well, even uh, even in the starting lineup, um, obviously uh, Yelena Belova was in there as the Dark Avengers Black Widow, but um, yeah. characters like uh, Dakin, Moonstone, and the Hood are not characters that a lot of people are likely to to be aware of at all. Even even something like Ragnarok, who was obviously in there as Dark Avengers Thor, that's not a character a lot of people are going to be necessarily aware of. And certainly, these aren't characters I was overly familiar with, yeah. having not necessarily read comics that they're in or you know happen to see so there was there were a lot of like characters that were kind of very famous or were plucked out of uh the marvel cinematic universe that you know as you say it was very avengers heavy uh and then sort of cherry picking the few x-men characters that were really kind of had to be in the game but but yeah they, they they didn't shy away from pulling deep into the uh the marvel canon as well yeah along the same lines i i really want to give them props for really offering a diverse lineup, not just in, um, you know, picking more than just the most recognizable characters, but also, I mean, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of a game that has a better balance of like characters of color or female characters, or there's even some LGBT characters that are represented. So like, I mean, I think they really go above and beyond when it comes um, to selecting who goes into the roster, because there's all, you know, there's a bunch of like real straight, tough white guy heroes. I mean, there's definitely plenty of those, but there's plenty of others. I mean, you could put together a team of people uh, who are 100% not white. You can put together a team of people who are not even freaking human. So, I mean, I think it's pretty yeah. cool <laughs> that they have such a really cool, really, really diverse lineup. And there's something here for everybody. I mean, as long as you're a Marvel fan, I think there's something here for everyone, which I really have always respected. I mean, I mean, when they brought out Lockjaw, I thought that was great. He's a dog. We had a giant dog in the game. Or like <laughs> one of my personal favorites, Devil Dinosaur. I was a fan of Devil Dinosaur from his comic run way back in the, the yeah. 60s or the yeah. 70s. Couldn't believe it when they brought him a big red freaking Tyrannosaurus. Yes, I want that in my game. Of course I want that in my game. And I, I mean, nobody ever thought we were going to get something as offbeat as uh, Howard the Duck, who I mean, <laughs> yeah. I probably most people re- you know recognize him from that horrific uh, sci-fi movie a while ago. Uh, but they brought him in and he's actually a pretty good character. So I love like they're hitting like all targets. They're hitting the big characters. They're hitting the, the offbeat characters. They're hitting diverse characters. I, I just love their roster. I really give them a lot of props for that. And I know you were happy when uh, Ghost Rider made his way into the game. Oh, I was thrilled. Ghost Rider is one of my favorites. <laughs> and now we have multiple Ghost Riders to pick from, which is even better. Which is as it should be, because obviously it, it's, it's easy to say Spider-Man's Peter Parker. Spider-Man isn't always Peter Parker, so there's no reason that every Spider-Man in this game should be Peter Parker. And likewise, Ghost Rider, yeah. not always Johnny Blaze, who's the one that a lot of people will think of because... Of the film, frankly, but yeah. not always, shouldn't always be. So we do have Robbie Reyes in there, who was <laughs> recently added as of two months ago, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's uh, it's good as well that like uh, so, Devil Dinosaur was uh, a story event um, within. Well, presumably therefore within the first six months because I certainly played through that, and there was a story event tied to it, so there was some fanfare around that character being 
uh, in the game. And uh, likewise, a lot of the other characters, even if they didn't come in the story event, were in a, a PvP or, or an online event, I should say, um, where they were uh, a high tier reward for for having ranked well um, and done well and that was a real incentive and and gave each of those characters none of them certainly the ones that i saw were slipped into the game un, unknown they were used as a draw you know even if it wasn't a well-known character let's make them a well-known character at least in terms of this yeah. game and i think that's that's important and as you said carl with um thor goddess of thunder it wasn't long after that it felt to me at least it wasn't long after that character was announced in the comics that they were just like right in the game let's do this it felt like it was it was very deliberate to make sure that they wanted to reflect what was going on in the comics and as you said brad what people want to see from you know you've got such a vast pool of characters to draw from draw some of the ones that people feel really passionate about but maybe other people don't know about not everything has been a hit. Not all characters are built equal, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah. um, we we have had a couple of duffers. We do have some duffers that are still there and haven't been tweaked. Uh, we, we had some that weren't that great, were tweaked, um, and they've tried to balance them. Uh, I think two of the two of the four stars we had at launch. In fact, the only two four stars we had at launch were Invisible Woman and X Force Wolverine, and both of them are actually pretty poor. They've both been mm. tweaked. Uh, X Force Wolverine originally got tweaked way too much to be easily the best character in the <laughs> game, um, and then they nerfed him again, which was a shame because I'd actually. He was my first four star at max level, and then they buffed him, and I was basically unbeatable, and then they nerfed him, and he was awful. But there's definitely a, a nice amount of variety among the characters, um, and definitely, like you said, James, seeing the alternate versions of certain characters are nice. Uh, we've got, obviously, Spider-Man, so we do have Peter Parker. We also have Miles Morales. Then we have uh, Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew, and it's possible as another one. Yeah, we have <laughs> it, the, uh, the, kind of- the Gwen version of Spider-Man. Spider Gwen, yeah. Spider Gwen. Yes, Spider Gwen, of course, uh, as well as Gwenpool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it's kind of strange. And, you know, you mentioned Devil Dino, and he's a, a limited time character that he only comes out around anniversary periods. Howard the Duck uh, only comes out at a certain period of time in the year. I'm not entirely sure when they are, so they're quite limited. Yelena Belova's actually relatively rare, as is two-star Spider-Man or Bagman. Which is the strangest version of Spider-Man. He's still awful. He's been a terrible character since launch, but now he's actually quite a rare drop as well. So it's kind of cool that there is rarity even within the tier system of the game. It's not to say that they've got everything right. Uh, They do tend to tie certain characters in with certain events. So we got a new Thor around the Thor movie. Uh, We got a new Peter Quill around the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. We got a new... Um, Black Panther and Ashuri around the Black Panther movie. And this happened consistently across the Netflix series. Daredevil for Daredevil. We got a four-star Luke Cage for Luke Cage. We got a four-star Iron Man, uh, Iron Fist for Iron Fist. And we did not get Jessica Jones and no one knew why. And it seemed really annoying. And thankfully, she's just come to the game as a five-star character. But there was a lot of the community asking for about 18 months of why is Jessica Jones the only Netflix character to not come to the game. And... For a community that's normally quite open with its fans, 
it was frustrating to not get an answer about that. And I think that that was incredibly disappointing. Yeah, that was really strange. I mean, I think one thing that is really notable, uh, like you mentioned, is that uh, the developers have a really good rapport with their fans. I mean, they really listen and they do as much as they can. I mean, of course, they can't fulfill every request. Some requests are silly or some are just would, you know, screw the game up too much. But when it's something sensible and it's something that they can do, they really do respond. So it was kind of weird to hear such silence over the Jessica Jones thing. I can't blame them too much because I'm sure it was some kind of licensing or, you know, Marvel has final say on everything that they do. So it's not yeah. like they have free reign to do whatever they want. I'm sure their hands were tied. And as frustrating as that was and as puzzling as it was, I'm glad they finally came back around to it with uh, the timing for the Jessica Jones season two on Netflix, which was great. But in general, I mean, I really do want to give them props because, you know, they, they make tweaks, they make changes, they listen to the feedback. And every time there's been a major problem, they fixed it. Like, I, I, I'm trying to think of another developer that is as responsive as these guys, especially as quickly. Um, and I'm just coming up short. I think they really do a great job. They have good community forums. Um, yeah. They often yeah. uh, will guest star on the podcast that talks about Puzzle Quest. And we haven't really mentioned that, but there is one dedicated Puzzle Quest podcast out there, which I listen to on a weekly basis. And they've been on there many times. They do pretty good customer support eh, within reason. Uh, so I think that, you know, they they do appreciate their fans and they do try as much as they can to make the game as pleasant and as palatable uh, to everyone as possible. I mean, one great example recently was the shield training event where you had to take three specific characters and you had to go through a series of events. And if you didn't have those characters leveled up all the way, you couldn't participate in the event. Uh, the way that they had structured it originally was really only of benefit to people who had sunk the most money into the game or the whales as they're known. Uh, like average players or even advanced players uh, like myself and I'm sure like you, Carl, we're, we're kind of locked out of those because if you didn't have the character yeah. maxed out, there was no way to play, which was ridiculous. I mean, here we are, people who've been playing for literal years and couldn't participate. Uh, so they took that feedback to heart. They changed it around. It's actually now a really cool event where you can get a free character pretty easily and it's way more fun. So instead of staying the course, they, they made that change, which I think is really great. So I do appreciate um, their responsiveness. I do wish they would balance characters a little more frequently. I think we have too many stinkers in the roster still. Like, for example, I, I just recently fully covered my first five star. Five stars are the highest tier of character in the game, the rarest, the hardest to get, and theoretically the most powerful. Uh, unfortunately, the five star that I got fully covered was Dr. Octopus, who is miserable. Oh, no. He's miserable. He's the worst five star. He's the worst five star <laughs> character. He's so obviously bad. He's almost like a joke character, and I don't appreciate with how long it takes to get a five-star that he's a joke character. So I wish they would tweak him. There's other characters that are kind of equally bad. I mean, he's, well, maybe not equally bad, but boy, there's a couple stinkers. And mm -hmm. I wish they would kind of make that a little bit more of a priority. I want everybody to be kind of on equal ground so that you've got a viable chance with others. But there are certain characters that are just, just not good. But apart yeah. from apart from and their slowness there. Even new ones as well. Yeah. It's, it's a little frustrating. I know they brought Nico Minoru out, mm -hmm. uh, one of the Runaways characters in Four-Star. And I don't know if it's just me, but she seems awful, like so weak. It's ridiculous. Um, and it's kind of frustrating because her ability set seems really cool. Because one thing I would say, um, as of Ant-Man, I think probably when Ant-Man came to the game, they really kind of upped their game in terms of uh, the powers and skill sets that they gave to characters, adding uh, passives and two-tier systems to skills and abilities. And it seems like she should be really good. But she's just not. And she doesn't seem to work with anyone. And I, I'm not sure if I'm missing something, but I think the vast majority of four stars are, are usable. But we do still have some that are just not good. But for you to actually 
get 13 covers, which is the, the highest amount of covers that you can have, which is, again, where it differs from the console release, where it's 15. So in the three abilities, you can have 5, 5, and 5. On consoles, you can only have 13. So you can have 5, 5, and 3, or 5, 4, and 4, or any order of those, because you might want certain abilities over another ability to be more powerful. Yeah, we should, we should probably just uh, say, actually, so uh, each character you recruit to your roster based on having received either from a, a loot crate or as a reward from a, a, a mission, you get a character cover. And that character cover also has an ability associated with it. Each character has three abilities, and so each cover will have one of those three abilities. Uh, the first time you get the character, that un- that allows you to unlock the character, and then the first time you get each of their three abilities attached to a cover, you open up that ability for the character, and then each subsequent cover. It's, it's a neat way of handling duplicates, which obviously you'll still, if you max out a character's abilities and you continue to get covers for them, you could still get duplicates. But in the first instance, when you get a duplicate, it just allows you to power up an ability to a higher uh, level, which is a really neat way of avoiding that situation of especially early game where you're going to be getting a lot of one-star and the odd two-star cover. It it avoids the situation where you don't feel like you're getting something for the crates you open and the drops you get. You know, along the same lines, I think it might be worth talking about the the reward structure in general, because I don't know about how you guys feel, mm. but I feel like Puzzle Quest, Marvel Puzzle Quest is actually one of the most generous games that I've ever played when it comes to yes. iPhone games. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's really no. probably key to its success. Uh, although there are multiple currencies and you can put real money into the game if you want to. I mean, there's actually a couple people in the game who are rather famous for spending money on the game. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. King Dreadnought is probably the, the most well-known of those who apparently is some kind of like Hollywood actor and he just has like this fortune to pour into the game. So everybody stays out of his way. But yeah, we, we've heard all different stories yeah. that he's involved in Asian porn, that he's involved <laughs> in Hollywood movies, <laughs> that he's done something. But yeah, this was a guy that, um, and this was something I was going to lead on to a little later on in regards to the community that flows with the game. Originally, this started with alliances where you would get groups of friends to join an alliance. Now, even they've changed massively, as I'm sure Brad will remember very shortly when I talk about it. You would create an alliance which gave you a series of slots, but you didn't get many. And then whoever was the commander of the alliance had to buy slots in the alliance for friends to join. And that was quite expensive. They then made alliances free for 20 people to join and then you would play together in those. Some people use those for something called a buy club, which are organized online messenger, which is an external messaging app. Um, It's very popular throughout Asia uh, and has a huge community of people playing for various different reasons for Puzzle Quest. And when you drop in-game currencies, usually you could buy two resources. One is hero points, which is essentially coins. The other is ISO 8, which is a resource that is used to level characters. Um, They're the two that you can actually buy with money. So uh, in terms of HP or hero points, you can buy 200, 600, 2,900, 8,500 or 20,000. However, only the top three give you a command point, which is another resource. (laughs) There's loads. Anyone who came into Destiny late and thought they had loads of problems with resources, it's got nothing on this. So uh, the 2900 one will drop you one command point, the 8500 will drop you three, and the 20,000 will drop you seven command points. Now, command points are used primarily to open up 
certain kinds of token packs that give you a chance of pulling a five-star, which is why they are so hard to get, <laughs> which is why Brad is so disappointed that his is Doc Ock. You require 20 command points to open up a classic token pack, which can have every five-star except for the three latest ones and a latest pack, which is 25 command points, which will give you the chance to open or receive one of the latest three, so the odds of dropping those are, are higher um, in terms of the pack. The other things you can pull out of those would be four stars. So King Dreadnought, I think, is really quite famous for dropping packs in buy clubs. So uh, he would buy uh, three Stark packs a day. Now, the Stark packs are the ones that drop seven, and they are an eye-watering £80 each. Um, I believe it's... Is it dollar value? $90, Brad? I think it's like $100, yeah. I think it's like $99. $100. So uh, three of those a day, as you do, you know, if you've got the money. Um, there's another person, um, I won't drop his name because he's from an old alliance that I was in. He's only been playing a year and he has truly maxed five-star characters. So that's 450 plus the champion levels of 100 on top. Um, and he has just had his first anniversary. Um, and he is a Hollywood screenwriter that's just had a movie passed for Hollywood that should be out next year, um, a Jane Austen-style retelling. So if you ever see that come up on IMDb and you can see the screenwriter's name, you'll know exactly who it is. And he's dropped, obviously, a phenomenal amount of cash on this game. But you don't have to, I think, is is one of the key things. Is Brad's mentioned it's actually very rewarding. It does drop a lot of loot depending on how you want to play it. If you're not interested in PvP and only play PvE, you probably get more from PvE in terms of returns. But you can buy if you wish. Uh, there's also a monthly thing called VIP, um, which is £7.99, or I'm assuming $9.99 in America. Yeah, sounds right. It gives you the same sort of return. That gives you uh, an additional daily reward every day because you get one by default. Um, these can vary between uh, standard token, ISO, HP, CP, two-star, three-star, four-star, and five-star characters. So now, further down the line, like me, myself, and Brada, we'll get a five-star cover every 90 days. And with the VIP, you'll actually drop another daily on top, and you also get an increased chance at bonus rewards after levels. I actually do pay for that monthly. I think it's worthwhile for how much I play this game. I think it's actually value for money. I know some people will think it's ridiculous. And but I generally haven't bought. I think I've bought maybe two other microtransactions in the last two years. But I've spent considerably more in the first two of my time playing. I think what I'm trying to say is it doesn't feel like a pay-to-win game in terms of getting rewards. It's probably pay-to-win if you want first place in PvE or PvP. It felt very quickly like... Um, so, I mean, command points weren't a thing and alliances certainly weren't 20 people initially. I think it was... Brad, you might have to help me. Was it four or five people you could have? I think it was like five and then it went to 10 if memory yeah. serves it's kind of hazy because i mean literally this is like four years ago yeah there was very definitely a period where if you if someone joined your alliance and then they were at the point where they weren't playing i mean almost every day but certainly enough and and making sure that they hit the the alliance uh, events then you you kind of had to say to them you know what can you maybe drop out and they'll put someone else in because uh, there and and as you said carl the uh, person in charge of the alliance was having to drop in-game resources to unlock extra slots etc so it very quickly kind of started to feel like in some of those events where there were rankings i would look at the rewards and think oh it would be so cool to get that 
cover or you know that amount of points because uh, a lot of the top tier events you didn't have to be in the top tier to get the reward cover but if you did get up that t- up in that top tier you would get three of the covers one for each ability which obviously usually yeah. it would take you a long time until maybe another cover dropped and you could unlock an extra ability so having the extra covers it was very tempting to think oh i want to be right up the top of the rankings and very quickly i found i was just getting wiped out by people who had almost unfeasibly good teams to the point where i thought it can't just be the amount of time they're playing because I know fine well that your characters get injured at a rate where you can only play so often, even if you've got lucky with the amount of hero points to unlock roster slots, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, sorry, I realise this sounds like the worst kind of pyramid scheme in, in the world. <laughs> it really does. But um, and and I I think it's just a change of mindset where the way that they've handled it is making sure that. If you are participating, you are going to get a reward. It might not be the reward you want. It might not be the five-star cover that is for ranks one to ten or whatever. But you're going to get a reward. You'll get something that, that, in addition to the individual match reward you might get, for having placed, for having participated, you're going to get something. That might just be a few hero points or some ISO 8 or whatever. But it does allow you to progress, and I think that does help a lot. Uh, and the rate at which um, PVE events and story events drop resources, the fact that a lot of them you can go back into for subsequent rewards as well, uh, all the Dark Rain story stuff, um, there may only be 15 missions in one of the branches of the story, but there's going to be like 60 rewards. So you go back in and play each one, you know, three or four times to get the extra rewards that are there. Um, so they've they've done a good job of making there's making sure there's always something for everyone to do and that they're going to get a reward from it. I think that's been a, a very important thing. One issue that we used to have going between tiers, so you would get your one star characters quite quickly. Mm. It wasn't that hard to transition to two, but then that used to be really difficult to transition to three. Yeah, three's that's really not gold so dust, bad yeah. now. Three is actually pretty straightforward. Uh, for if you play the game, you will get three star. And then four-star transition can be awkward, and then the five-star transition is a living hell, which is why myself and Brad continue to play it, because we long for five stars. <laughs> but um, it's something that they've continually worked at. So the story missions were there from the very start of the game, but then they went back and added more rewards for people to go and get, just to give them a little boost of uh, resources. Mm. Um, they've changed the where tiers reward you uh, players in PvP and PvE, so you do tend to get more. You get better daily rewards the more you play it, which is common sense. The ability to get VIP, and then they also added a system, I can't remember the name of it now, but when you wanted to play PvP, or clearance level system, so when you wanted to play PvP, they added uh, five different time zones, because originally it was all US time, which mm. was really difficult for Europeans. Yes, yeah, there was often that where an event would end in the middle of the night. And yeah, yeah, if you weren't there at the time kind of grinding out the extra, uh, you'd suddenly wake up and found you dropped 100 places in the rankings or whatever. So they added the ability to play different time zones. And then within the time zone, they allowed you to play different levels depending on your roster. So obviously, if you've got a low roster, you don't go up against people with five-star rosters like myself because that would be completely unfair because you wouldn't put a dent in a five-star roster and a five-star roster would kill your whole team in one move. Time does reward in the game and the game never feels unfair because they have consistently balanced it out so your characters 
I think James alluded to it, that they would get hurt. They don't have full health by the time you go to your next match. So whatever damage you lost in that last match is still lost at the start of the next game, but you can use health packs. So you grow up to 10. Originally, you only used to have three, and then it was five, and now it's 10 um, that you can accrue. Uh, they've altered certain people. So like two-star Black Widow used to be able to heal the team, but it used to be what they called true healing. So you would trigger her blue ability to heal, just before you finish the match and you move, you'd give your team full health and then they'd have full health in the next match. Yeah. But now she can only heal their health for that match. But in the next match, it'll go back to whatever their lowest point of health was prior to uh, using right. that's, that ability. That's why they have the green bars or the green part of the yes. health bar. Now that makes sense. Um, so yeah. that was a big change since the last time yeah, you yeah. played the game. Um, and then they also tiered off certain characters to heal quicker than others. So the likes of Deadpool, Hulk, um, etc. will heal relatively quick. Yeah. So I think they've Makes got sense. like four times healing and certain characters will have like one star healing. Um, they don't all heal at the same time. So I think my, my favorite character is Black Bolt. But if he's... On really low health, it's about fourteen hours. Oh wow! Trying really? to rank up, but you but you unlock a health pack every thirty six minutes. Sure. So it's better yeah, to throw yeah. a health pack on him and then generate a health pack over thirty six minutes. So you can buy health packs for HP. Of course, you can. Um, sometimes you might need to play in PvP. You can buy shields, so you can buy a three hour, an eight hour, or a twenty four hour shield um, for seventy five, one fifty, or three hundred. HP in game. The point at which uh, hero points are an issue is when you're unlocking your roster slots initially because um, very quickly you start getting covers thrown at you and you will get to the point where you run out of slots and you unlock initially just one extra roster slot and then it goes up to the point where you're unlocking three at a time um, and and the the cost goes up commensurately. And what I would say in terms of uh, just as an example, I obviously played quite a bit but a number of years ago now, the way that your profile is saved between different versions of the mobile game, at least, uh, is via your Facebook account. So you tie it to your Facebook yes. account, and I was able to switch my progress between, I'm pretty sure I switched it between iOS and Android, but certainly if you go from Android yeah, phone to Android phone, you can you can take it with you. Unfortunately, I have deleted my Facebook account. Uh, so when I started yesterday morning, playing this again I didn't have access to that so as an example for a fresh player uh, I did they have a like a tutorial deal if you're just starting the game for a a starter pack type thing uh, which I think was £6.99 and gave me I think two or three three star characters and a bunch of ISO 8 so I could upgrade all of those characters to their max level immediately and some hero points so I could unlock I think I'm now at 16 roster slots so I've quite quickly been able to sort of get up and running but i've now got like it's been a long time since i put a one star character into my roster i pretty much deleted them all straight away and replaced them with two and three star characters um and i've got uh i think it's 10 three star characters at the moment and that's in a day of playing it um so yeah. really quickly it's you considerably can quicker running. than it used yeah, to be <laughs> yeah you, you'd, you'd grind out with one star character for ages and and i actually found today that i was regretting that because uh, a little bit because there are some events that require you to have one star the deadpool daily events yes. require you to use one star characters and i was just like looking at a roster that was entirely locked out for for that event but you just move up to the two star and three star uh tier events but 
So the key there is to have Juggernaut. Just Juggernaut is good enough to do it on his own. And, and, and obviously Black Widow, well, when she could heal, the, those as one-star characters were just like no-brainers uh, to have yeah, on. Yeah, so one-star Black Widow is actually the best team-up in the whole game, um, which seems absolutely crazy. That So you also have the ability to use 20 team-ups, which is an additional resource in the game. They'll sometimes drop after games, and it's a character's ability that you can use by using a team-up tile on the board. So the team-up tiles replaced the environment tiles that we had at launch. They're gone. You no longer have those. So with team-up abilities, you can use one of three, and uh, you can actually request them from your alliance, and they can send them. So some people, uh, like myself, will have a one-star Black Widow that only has her blue covers on it, um, and at five... She will stun the person you're attacking for five moves and the two next to him for uh, or next to them for one move each. So there is still use for the one stars, but it's primarily as a team up. But obviously, Juggernaut or Iron Man, they're usually the two that people would go with, uh, complete the Deadpool daily. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure people listening to this podcast, are, their heads are probably exploding with all the different options and the different <laughs> things to pick up and the things to unlock and the rosters and the points and these things. I mean, I'm sure it sounds horrible. And if I was listening to this podcast, I would be like, why would I even want to play this game? This sounds so like overwhelming <laughs> and crazy. But I mean, a lot of this stuff has built up over time. And I think it's also worth mentioning, like the like the real takeaway from all this is that not only is there a lot of stuff to participate in, but the developers like throw so much stuff your way. So even though I don't think there's any real dispute that if you pay to win, you will win because money definitely does have an effect in this game. But if you're not one of those people with deep pockets, there's still so much stuff coming your way just from participating that you can have a very fulfilling and very rich experience in the game without having to come in first place, without having to be at the top of any competition. You can just play and over time you will build up a roster and you'll get new characters and you'll win more and it just it feels fun to just play because they send so much positivity your way you never really feel bad about not being able to put too much money in you know we're talking about them throwing stuff at you and they do throw a phenomenal amount of stuff at you in terms of iso and hp and um three star covers four star covers etc four years down the line myself and brad are still playing this regularly and we're nowhere near uh having incredibly finished rosters. So there's a ridiculous amount of content in this game and a huge amount of variety, uh, which is not something that I normally attribute to a match three game. <laughs> so that that's one of the things that I really do take away from the game mm. is, is that I can go back in every day because I know that there's still so much more for me to get. And especially for someone like James, where the game has changed so drastically since he last played it. And I think maybe the biggest change, or there's certainly no bigger change that comes to mind from the last time he played it to now would be champion levels. That, that just wasn't a thing at all. I mean, command points weren't even a thing when I was playing it uh, back then. So yeah. there's been a lot of different stuff uh, added. And um, One thing I was going to ask uh, uh, both of you, actually, I think, is for people who've been playing this for... I mean, four years plus in, in Brad's case, uh, well, in both of your cases, what does an average day where you go on to play look like? Like, How long would you be playing for and what events do you hit? For me, it's really evolved over time. When I first mm. started playing the game, I really got bit by that bug where I was unlocking things all the time. I was earning mm. things. And at that point, like coming in first place was something that I was able to do back then. Like yeah. the competition wasn't yeah. so out yeah, of yeah. control. So I felt this real compulsion. Like it was a problem for a while where I just was putting too much time into it. I mean, I don't want to say I was addicted, but I, it looked like addiction in a certain way, uh, which was certainly not healthy. Staying up late, getting to work late, 
you know, uh, missing meals and stuff like that. That was a problem. So uh, went to rehab for a while. Uh, came, back, came back clean and then jumped back in the game. Uh, seriously, though, what it looks like for me now is I don't really participate in PvP seriously anymore. Like, I'll play a little bit just to get some of the easy rewards. So I'll put, you know, I'll do a couple matches here and there, and then I'll do a little bit of PvE if I feel like it, like if I've got some time. Um, so rather than my day being structured around when is an event ending or what is the next reward, yeah, um, yeah, I just kind yeah. of fit it in whenever. Like, if I got five minutes here... 10 minutes there. And I'm sure over the course of a day, I'm probably putting in maybe an hour or two hours, which kind of sounds like a lot. But when you break it up into five minutes here, five minutes there, it's really not all that much. The only time that I really get actively fired up and really go at it uh, whole hog is when we have new character events. So I'm still in an alliance. And whenever there's a chance to get a brand new character, that's always like the most exciting thing about the game. And like Carl said, we get one about once every two weeks or maybe is, is it that often? Maybe a little bit longer than that. Maybe once a yeah, month. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty, it's pretty, no, it's definitely more than once a month now. Something like that. But they come out pretty regularly. Like, you know, every time you turn around, there's a new character coming and and adding that to the roster is always the most fun thing. So that when a new character comes out, that's when I'll put maybe like two, three hours a day into it and really, you know, hit an event really hard. But otherwise, yeah. it's taken a much more casual pace for me these days. What about, uh, what about you guys? I've been in certain alliances that prioritize PvP because uh, we've already mentioned that you get rewards for your tiers, but so do your alliance. So if if your alliance finishes in the top 100, they get better rewards. So you, you aim for certain minimums in terms of your score. Um, I've been in PvE priority alliances. Um, I've been in alliances where both are ranked really highly, and that is where the hours go. I don't really do that anymore. I mean, I can't now with the way that I'm working. But I would say that if I'm playing PvE, I will jump in and I'll clear four times because after your fourth time, you earn the same amount of score and then it's a reduced a reduced score for your fifth and sixth if you want to hit them. So uh, the way that you would do it for a new character, as Brad said, is the second that that game kind of opens up, you hit it, you do every node four times. 24 hours later, as it's about to end on that day, because... Uh, PvE usually lasts between three and seven days. So you've usually got a minimum of three days worth. So they're, in, they're different every day or sometimes seven. So about 45 minutes before the end of that day, you clear down every node to zero points. And then when it refreshes, you do four again. And then you follow that pattern. It's quite a lot, but it depends on your roster. So um, depending on who you have, you can clear quicker than others. And in PvP, now I... Generally, I used to play in a shield room, which is a really strange way of everyone would play and you would be aware of who was unshielded and you wouldn't hit them. And then you would queue them so that you could see them because you can queue three different fights at one time and then they would shield and then you would hit them for high points, okay. but they wouldn't lose points. So you would essentially play off each other and climb so high it, and get all the rewards. Kind of like um, achievement grinding where you, you want to make sure that everyone's getting out of it what they need to get out. So you only attack a shielded player on the basis that they'll only attack you when you're shielded and no one loses points, yes. everyone can gain points. But you can also attack people who aren't in that room because they're fair sure. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I generally play the same slice and I play it legitimately and I'll play it at 900 points because at 900 points I'll unlock a four-star cover. And at 575 points I'll have unlocked the 10 command points. So at 1,200 points I would have got another 15 command points, but sometimes that's a bit too much of yeah. a stretch even for my roster. Generally I don't always play PvE, although I will when it's a new character. Or when it's a special event yeah, yeah, like yeah, the sure. Galactus kind of ones, because they're quite a lot of fun. I mean, I've had days where I would put in hours and hours, and I would have 
times where if it was ending at four o'clock in the morning, I would be there clearing up before four, then at four it would refresh, then I'd do my four clears and then I'd go to sleep. And it's kind of crazy, but it was addiction. And then uh, there were days where I would build it around to be able to play on my uh, lunch break. Then I'd play it when I finished. Then I'd play it before bed. And then I'd play it in the morning before work. So I had certain kinds of... Yeah, you had had a routine, a schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of strange that you schedule the game, but especially when you've got shields for a specific amount of time, that is exactly how you play them. And you've got a cooldown period of four hours per shield. So if you use a three-hour shield, you used to be able to buy a shield take hits, break it, so you would exit out early, get some more points and reshield, right. and just keep doing that over and over and over. But they limited it with a burn down time because, again, it was kind of a way to fight the pay-to-win mentality of people that can just afford to buy shields. So, yeah, my days are a lot less than they used to be, but given that now you get so many more resources from the game, I don't feel like I need to hit it as hard. So I think it's friendlier for new and old players alike. It's amazing how quickly this game can actually fill your entire day. I mean, it's it's kind of weird. And I think that, you know, of course, we were probably on the more dedicated side of things. If you look at how much we were, <laughs> how much time we we're putting into it. Uh, but I mean, I got to a point, honestly, where I was like, I just I just can't put that much time in. I mean, I have a job. I have yeah. a family. I, uh, you know, do editing at Game Critics. I have that responsibility. I have to I have to play games to do reviews. I mean, it was like eating up so much of my time so quickly and so seductively. I mean, I really kind of just like had to put it down for a while. I never quit or anything like that. But I just was like, you know, it's OK if I don't come in first place. It's OK if I don't get that one cover. I'll get it later. It's OK if I don't put in four hours today. Because I need to go to the park with my son, because I need to go make dinner for my family, because I need to like have a life outside of the game. And it's, I don't mean to, to sound like like it's bad or negative, but I mean, I think it was it's just really easy to get sucked into like want more and keep going harder and, you know, go for more rewards. And you're getting stuff all the time and it just you just get so sucked into it. It really can fill up like your entire life. I mean, thankfully, I'm not one of those people who, like you said earlier, uh, Carl, like are, are playing the same node 800 times in a row to get one point each. I mean, that's yeah. that is madness. <laughs> I, I imagine those people are probably in some locked ward facility somewhere and I feel sorry for them. That is not a healthy way to be. So there definitely is, you know, I mean, and not just like this game. I mean, other games have that same pitfall and games in general. I mean, you, we've all seen stories of people in, you know, those uh, Korean internet cafes like killing over and dying or, you know, people can take things too far. And this is certainly one thing that can be taken too far. But I think in moderation, it can easily provide as much entertainment as you need. There's there's no shortage there. And it's the kind of game that's ideal. You pick it up in an advert break. You put it down when the TV show starts or the movie starts. You pick it up in the next advert break or when you go to make a coffee or you go to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> there are people that have taken it more extreme than, than that. You've got to find a healthy life game balance. Marvel Puzzle Quest is in a really good place now in in what you can get from less time. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I think that's the thing. There are there's uh, they're not even different uh, tiers, more different types of players. Where there are some people who've got a lot of money to spend and they can spend the money because they want to unlock the higher tier characters quicker or whatever. Um, but then. Yeah, I remember even the first few months, it felt like as long as you were playing regularly and you knew when the events were, you could quite easily get up into that top rank. So the events were kind of instanced where you might be rank one. It didn't mean you were be- you were rank one out of everyone playing the game. It just meant in, in yeah. your instance of, of that event, you were you were up at the top. It did feel like after about three months, either some people were putting a lot of money in or other people had really honed down their schedule to 
they knew how to wring the absolute most out of the event as possible. And that was where I kind of wavered a bit and, and eventually a few months later did kind of step away from it because it did just feel like if this was the only game I wanted to play and I could schedule my entire day around it, I could I could get to the top rank. Like you were saying, Brad, there was that period where you had to kind of step back and admit to yourself that that just wasn't a healthy or reasonable thing to expect of, of yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely did have that reaction. I mean, that goes back to like Farmville days or whatever, where, you know, th- the, the way that game was structured was to make sure that every eight hours on the button, you went back into there and harvested the crop and sowed again. It was much easier to to just play for like five minutes and then wait for however long it needed to be and then play five minutes. But you had maximized your efficiency on what you could do with your farm. And in this, I think the scary thing is that it feels like it's far more complex and therefore far, uh, takes a while longer to work out how to maximize your efficiency on hitting all of the events and getting the most out of them and the biggest reward you possibly can. The the scary thing is that actually what that maximized efficiency looks like, as you've just alluded to, Brad, I think is either putting a lot of money into it or being on there a lot, like making sure as soon as your health mm. pack regens, you can use it, heal a character and get straight back into a match. I could see myself getting to that point, you know, like like you're saying, Brad, being that to that point where you are missing meals or or you know being late for places you want to go or you know suddenly a, a two minute toilet break becomes a ten minute toilet break. Yeah, and, you know that missing kind of thing. On, missing out on life basically. Well, you, mean- to to a certain extent, yeah, and and I think it's great that they've got different ways for everyone to spend time with it. If you've got a minute a day, or if you've got an hour a day, or more than that you can but it is slightly scary that you could creep up a little bit and go from a minute to an hour to two to three to four and you know that that does scare me a little bit about the way the game does kind of cater for everyone yeah i mean i I do want to give props to the developers though because they are aware of it i've I've heard them many times comment on that where they don't want people glued to this game all day long and they have Mm. really looked at the triggers they're putting in and you know there's the whole psychology behind the whole thing i mean the skinner box routine and everything but you know i i do i appreciate that while they are in it to make money and to to be a business i mean these guys got to get paid of course uh at the same time they don't want people taking it to an unhealthy extreme and they yeah. really have taken steps to reduce that that feeling of like you gotta go you gotta play more they've they've eased back on that which i think is better for everyone in the long yeah. run you don't feel yeah. Yeah. That compulsion, you don't feel so cheated if you didn't win the top reward. You don't feel like you've got to get in every day or else yeah, you're not going to yeah. get anything worth having. It's 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 way way friendlier to people who just have 5 and 10, which I, I, I appreciate because not every developer out there is as benevolent as that when it comes to those, <laughs> yeah, no, those sure. hooks, you know? Yeah, hence the diminishing returns that, Carl, you talked about a couple of times, just making sure that there isn't the incentive there to keep blitzing through an event over and over and over. Uh, it, yeah. it, it does kind of behoove you to step away. It tickles myself and Brad's needs. It's not for everyone. Um, As Simon Sloth posted on our forum, he said, Puzzle Quest games historically have been right up my street, so having fallen out of love with mobile games, I was hoping this would be the one that brought me back. Unfortunately, it's not what I hoped it would be. I wondered if there was an element of being a latecomer to the Marvel Puzzle Quest party, as I find the number of flashing icons and pop-ups overwhelming. I suspect this is how New Destiny or Pokemon Go players feeling that the slowly added content has been drip fed over the years so it's easier to uh, process to switch either of these games on now would be overwhelming i'm sure the basic game seems fine but i find the window dressing turns me away 
Now the moment that I load up my phone, I almost always close it after one game and load up the Kane and Rinse forum instead, which is far more compelling. (laughs) Fair comment. Entirely fair. Yeah. (laughs) I alluded to it earlier with the biggest change, but I think we really do have to talk about champion levels for characters. As Kentaris mentioned in the very first bit of community feedback that we posted, choosing a superhero roster and deciding who needs replacing is a factor. You do not get free roster slots in this game. By default, I think you get five, and then from there, the next few are free, and then it's like 25 HP, which is not much, up until you get to 100 roster slots, and then every roster slot after that is 1,000 HP, which is about six pounds in exchange rate. I have 171 roster slots at the moment, and a lot of that is to do with championing. I've mentioned that each character gets 13 covers. Uh, This is true of every character that's two-starring up. Um, get 13 covers, from which point you use your ISO 8 to level those characters to the max level that they can go to. So a two-star character can be level 94, a three-star character can be 166, a four-star character can be 270, and a five-star character can be 450. You can only reach those levels once you've got the maximum number of covers, up to 13 for those characters. So obviously the max level that they can go is less for every cover less that they've got than 13. Leveling them up allows them to hit harder, so they do more damage per the matched colour, do more damage per power, um, and there's some strange mathematical witchcraft that goes on there with your character level to the damage per cover per ability that you do. So if you've got five covers and you're a max level character, they're going to do really high level than if they only had three covers in that. For a large period of time, once you had a character that, it was great, but if you had, say... Steve, three-star Steve Rogers at 166, which is the maximum level it could go at, and you pulled another Steve Rogers cover, you just have to delete it and take the ISO for it, which is not a lot. It's I think it's 500 for a three-star. And it was always a bit galling, and then they added in the ability to champion those characters. So for a, an ISO sum of resource, you could champion that level, which isn't like prestiging, but it allows you to add more over the top. For two-star characters, you could add another 50 covers on top to take them to 144. Uh, For three-stars, you could add 100, so it would take them to 266. Uh, Four-stars would go to 370, and five-stars would go to 550. Every time you added a champion level on them, you would also earn a reward back, whether it was HP or a command point, ISO, covers for another character. So three-star characters would give covers for four-stars. Four-star can give five-star covers, etc. And it's just another way for you to return rewards. And this kind of really breathed life into the game. I think the, I think it came in January 2016. I want to say it's been there for about two years now, the champion levels. And it definitely rewards the desire to play events where you can see you're going to get a cover for a character that you're already maxed. So once you get them, you, you target that character to uh, champion next and then pile them into that. So uh, the Deadpool Daily is really good for that because you can get a three-star cover every day and you try and get as many champion levels as you possibly can and it makes you hold on to your characters longer, not bin them, and therefore buy additional roster slots. So that's obviously the way that they're winning is that they want you to buy additional roster slots. 
One thing about the championing, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, Carl. One to me, the most important thing about championing was the ability to change the power levels on your character. I don't know if you, you mentioned that yes. or not, but back back before they did championing, what would happen was, like we said earlier, you could have a maximum of 13 levels to a character, basically 13 covers. So, like maybe their first power would be five, their second power would be five, and their third power would be three. Now that was fine sometimes, but like you would get into a match where you would think, well, darn it, I wish that I had flip this so that it would be better in this one particular circumstance. Like some situations would be better for certain builds than others. And so it was really frustrating. What people did back in the day was they would have a duplicate character and they would build them differently. So the first person would be like 553. They would have a copy of that person. And the second one would be like 355. I mean, it got kind of really ridiculous. Um, So (laughs) championing, the real benefit to championing for me, aside from the levels and not wasting these rewards, was that you could finally change your characters around on as needed. So like you would have one character. If they were championed, you could flip their powers around. You could make them a 553, 535, 355, whatever. And you wouldn't lose anything. So it made way more sense. It made the characters way more flexible gave players way more options to spec their team out the way they needed to. And if you had a new character, you wanted to make them a better teammate in order to sync together well. You could change those powers around. And you didn't lose anything, and you didn't have to like buy a bunch of extra stuff for it, which I thought was really a huge step forward in terms of playability. Having that and seeing your characters glow blue in the roster to let you know that they're champed and wanting to um, sort of get them all the way up as they possibly can. So I've got uh, several three stars that are all max champed so uh, 266 and then I've re-recruited them again lower to champion those ones up because once you've got them at a max champ level you can actually sell them for a high amount of ISO and HP reward and essentially unlock all the rewards back through the 100 tiers again Um, and some of those rewards are actually quite substantial I know with the two star characters doing that um, and creating almost a two star farm where you would get them to 144 and sell them and start again you would get a high level of command points and HP and ISO that it actually made it worthwhile doing it. Again, it just added a more depth onto a game that already had so much for it. And I, I think, for me, it's the biggest change we've had. And I think since then, the only real major change is the shield ranking, where you would unlock XP, which is the RPG element, everyone, there you go. Um, you unlock RPG onto your own player level, which has kind of changed recently. So now you only get XP for adding additional covers to a character. Before that, it would be for fights and opening packs and kind of stuff. And then every time you level up, you unlock a big sort of wallop of ISO in one go. So at my current level, I'm unlocking about 55,000 ISO every time I level up. And I level up once every two to three weeks. So that's kind of another nice way that they sort of keep things going (laughs) and rewarding you uh, with, with sort of shield rank levels. And I'm not sure what the maximum level of that is yet, but I'm about 110, which is considerably behind some people. I'm probably behind yourself, Brad. That's a good question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check real quick because I have not been playing as hard as I used to. 116, so I'm not that far ahead of you. That, that, that sounds pretty good. I know there are some people that absolutely flew up there um, when it created because it, it retroactively went on what you'd done before. So that was kind of cool. The idea of having all these rosters and being able to customize your characters and the sort of cover flow that you mentioned, Brad, it gives you the variety to use a range of different teams. So there's certain synergy between characters that work really, really well together um, and ones that don't. So there are six colors. So really, you wouldn't want a team of three that are only covering red, blue and green because that's completely impractical because you're missing three colors of power. Um, So you want to try and get them all covered. 
but certain teams fall in line a little better than others. So um, when the four-star uh, game really started to flesh itself out, uh, Gene Buster was a thing, which was Gene Grey, four-star Gene Grey and four-star Hulk Buster, or four-star Iron Man Hulk Buster. And they were an absolutely deadly duo that were incredibly difficult to beat. Very, very frustrating, and kind of until everything else caught up. That was the only team you sort of saw, and I think this is something that continues. And I think even today, I'll openly admit I'm a problem because I use one of the two teams you'll always see. So in PvE, you get Panthos, which is five-star Black Panther, five-star Thanos, um, that can just clear very, very quickly. Um, And in PvP, you have Gambit plus another it's uh, usually Black Bolt for Gambolt or Gambit and uh, Five Star Thor. You don't really see much variety other than those teams. And I hold my hand up and I say, look, I use Gambolt all the time because I've got them both champed at five star level and it makes it considerably easier. You know, we mentioned that there are plenty of duffers on the roster and I think this kind of plays into that. And I would I would like a little bit more variety in your ability to use other teams for the other added challenge, but again, you're just not going to do it if the game's not balanced on those characters. Yeah, it's unfortunate because whenever they keep adding a new level of power, like, you know, originally it was three star was the most and they added four star and now we have five star. I mean, the power creep is kind of a real thing. And when you get to the top level, like, you know, we're at we've been playing so long, uh, we're kind of dipping into the five star level. There's just not that many five star characters, which means that Obviously, some of them are going to be better than others, which means you're going to end up seeing the same teams over and over and over, uh, which is kind of unfortunate because I like going into PvP when I want a change. Like, I find that my my brain works a little bit differently in PvP because I'm analyzing what team the enemy's using, what team do I have that'll be best against them, what tactics should I use. It's a little bit more strategic than in PvE where you just want to grind through things as quickly as possible. But unfortunately, because of that power creep, you know, we keep getting some characters obviously better than others. And like, you know, I have a five star Doc Ock who's a garbage fire. He's awful. He can't do anything. And he's theoretically the same same value as like a Gambit, which is ridiculous because Gambit is like, I don't even bother fighting him because it's not worth my time because he's going to crush me. And they've already nerfed Gambit as well. He's already still the best character in the game and he's been nerfed uh, once. It's ridiculous. So it is kind of frustrating and I wish that they would do a little bit more in the balancing. And also, uh, I mean, I, I guess there's no real quick solution because you can't just have 30 new characters in the five star roster and then everybody has those to play with. I mean, it, because they're such a small number, you see the same ones over and over. And that is kind of a discouraging thing. I wish they would kind of uh, do better with that. And also to fix the duffers that we've got, because, oh, my God, there's just there's there are certain people you never see in PvP. And it's yeah. like, why are they even like, why? Why keep them on the roster yeah. if you're never going to play them? There's got to be use for them. Maybe they're not the best character, but maybe they could be a great support or maybe they could be used in a different way strategically but there's some that just people just never ever use and i wish those guys would get fixed a little bit quicker this conversation sounds an awful lot like a competitive fighting game or a competitive yeah. you know, champion game or whatever mobile or whatever it might be where balance is absolutely key and as soon as there's a slight imbalance in favor of uh, one character or to the detriment of another that's going to massively affect people will flock towards what works that just is the way people are 
Uh, I mean, from day one, that was the case. Like I've said, one star characters, Venom was incredibly powerful. Juggernaut and Black Widow uh, were were all incredibly powerful in terms of their abilities. Uh, that wasn't necessarily a synergy thing. Just each of them on their own was incredibly powerful. But uh, very quickly, I found teams that I found that, that worked for me because some of the abilities are very direct, but others are a bit more tactical where you're setting up something, you're putting some passive tiles onto the the board countdown tiles or charge tiles or whatever and then another ability that that another character has is going to pay that off later on you know or some characters where you're able to use their abilities to accrue action points in a different color that will allow you to trigger someone else's ability uh, and that kind of interplay is it feels like it should be uh, open to more different teams than it sounds like you guys are saying there there are at kind of the sharp end of the the wedge uh, you know the top of the ranking uh, leaderboards and whatever it's not that they haven't been afraid to make mm. changes i mean uh, venom one star venom uh, got changed about 2 yeah. years ago which seemed kind of comical when you saw it on a change list when it was so far developed in the four star game but because they'd brought in characters like miles morales who was throwing down web yeah, tiles, yeah, yeah. a specific web tile, and then Venom had an instant kill at five web tiles on the board or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he just became an yeah. absolutely deadly HBM, a deadly one-star character against anyone. And we had three-star Magneto, used to be basically unbeatable because he could create three blue tiles, so he could essentially create match fives constantly. And, and when those changes have happened, they've generally been for the better. Now, I know that the true healing... Uh, change to original Black Widow was kind of controversial. Like the official Puzzle Quest forums, they went crazy. But uh, And I hated that change, I'll be honest, at the time. And now I see that it was absolutely for the benefit of the game. And I would say that for a game that has a huge roster of people, to give some idea, at the start of the game, there were 26 characters. There were six one-star, 10 two-star eight three-star and two four-star characters. And now we stand at 160 characters where there are eight one-star, 14 two-star, 47 three-star, 66 four-star and 25 five-star. And in that time, they have made more right steps than wrong steps. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's pretty incredible. Agreed, agreed. They have, there's been little, little detours along the way, but I think you are entirely correct in that most of these changes, almost all the changes, have been for the better. People grumble at first, and change is always hard for everyone, which is, you know, it's just a human nature thing. But overall, I think their track record has been pretty outstanding. The only two areas where I would look and say they absolutely 100% got it wrong were win-based PvP, because it was far too time-consuming. 40 wins in PvP is hours of time. And uh, rubber banding on PvE allowed latecomers to essentially catch up and overtake people who came in early and you never really knew when you were coming in so you could start and be one of the refreshed uh, one of a thousand and you could be right at the start and then someone who's going to come in in 900 is just going to overtake you on look of the draw and that 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 was short that was relatively short-lived in fairness i think they realized the mistake which was good but yeah it's definitely for the amount of stuff and content and characters in this game it's mind-boggling that they've got so much right yeah it can't be easy i don't i don't know that i would really want that job i mean i know that i can criticize it from the sidelines and that's just you know that's just me over here saying something but yeah the task must be monumental and every time they i mean and especially when you think of the frequency with new characters i mean every two weeks or whatever it is they're bringing in somebody completely new that has to be weighed against the entire roster of who's already there 
to prevent any, you know, mm. little instant wind traps or any imbalances from coming in. And sometimes the things are just not really obvious at first. Like sometimes it takes a while to figure out, oh, they got this too strong or this too weak or, oh, we didn't realize this was going to cause a problem. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think in general they're doing a pretty, pretty amazing job. Yeah, and sometimes the only way you're going to find it out is when you've got an entire community playing and playing and playing to find the the kind of weird harmonies between characters or abilities or things that kind of do break the game a little bit. That's just, yeah, with 160-odd characters, that's just never going to be possible to see coming, almost. So, yeah, it's, it's not surprising it's been sidesteps. But, yeah, the important thing, and it, and it was way back in, you know, four years ago, I remember talking to you on Twitter quite a bit about this game, Brad, uh, and and you were fairly regularly in touch with the devs, talking to them, you know, asking them questions and, and looking for feedback. And they would always respond. They would always say, yeah, we're looking into it. Yep, yeah, absolutely. We know this new change is a problem and we're going to do something about it. And they're being incredibly responsive. Oh, yeah, they're good guys. I've been in touch with them pretty much over the, I mean, the entire time I've been playing over the years. A little less so now since I'm not as involved and I'm kind of just more playing on autopilot these days. But when I was playing really in depth, I mean, I was talking to them all the time and they would, would you know, get back to me. We did interviews a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they were very involved. They were very interested to know what people thought and what people felt. You know, they were definitely not the kind of developers that were saying, you know, my way or the highway. They were all about, you know, let's make this best for everyone. So good attitude to have. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think a genuine uh, love for comics and the actual source material helps. It's not like they're not dialing it in when they're trying to create work. They're actually doing the best they can. So little things I like is that every character you can view it in your roster, um, they've all got a comic book cover that's actually happened for that character at some point. So it, it could be like a classic Ditko style cover. Um, it could be a more modern cover, depending on the character. So obviously Thor, Goddess was obviously a relatively recent character from about 2015, 2014 maybe. Whereas the Iron Man cover is from like the 60s. And then every so often they'll change the cover for a period of time. So that uh, when the Women of Marvel event was actually happening in real life, loads of the female Marvel cover characters got special edition covers that were represented in game. Uh, they've just recently done one with like Marvel kids and they've given like kidified versions, which reminds me of Puzzle Fighter in that regard. Um, and also every character has a full breakdown of all the powers that they have and then uh, also a, usually a little bit of backstory and also allegiance because when they brought in Civil War, certain characters work better with Iron Man, certain characters work better with Captain America and then there's also an alliance to Sinister Six. So that that kind of stuff gets fleshed out for uh, the concept of synergy, I guess, is that the, those characters work better together in certain events. Little touches that actually go quite a long way for me in, in terms of my enjoyment and appreciation of the things that they've done. Absolutely. Obviously, the past has been really strong with Marvel Puzzle Quest uh, from when it was released in 2013. Is it a game that's still growing and is it secure? Well, one of the major changes that has just been announced um, is the induction of supports. So these are uh, support abilities for characters, depending on whether they're a hero or a villain. Uh, they go between one star and five star, and they add certain abilities beyond what your character would normally have. Uh, we don't know fully how they play out yet, other than they're only going to be in story modes to begin with until people can build them up. But it certainly sounds interesting. It's also bringing in another resource to go with everything. So Red Iso 8 is going to be used, and that's what you're going to use to level up these uh, supports. And it sounds like they're going to be leveled up in a similar way to how you would champion characters. I certainly think that 
whilst not necessarily needed, it's a positive thing. It looks like it's another bold feature addition for the game um, and something that I'm quite looking forward to. Uh, either of yourselves? Oh, I'm super excited. I mean, I, I think that this is just one more way for them to get more Marvel content in, like more nods, little extra things like uh, pieces of equipment that are famous or maybe sidekicks or vehicles. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really cool. If you're a fan of the franchises, of course you want to see this stuff and the game just hasn't had a way to get that in earlier. So I'm glad that they are finally coming around to this. And this actually kind of harkens back to, like we said earlier, the original Puzzle Quest, Challenge of the Warlords, where they had like all of this stuff in and so I can already imagine how this is going to work. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm sure it's going to be hellaciously broken and we're going to have a lot of problems and heartburn for a while. <laughs> but like after the first couple months, it's going to be great. So I'm, so I'm really looking forward to it. Like Brad said, it sounds like something where they can really make the most of having like sidekick characters who wouldn't necessarily stand as their own character because they're too tied to a character that's already in the game. But I'm thinking like um, Falcon obviously has bird attacks as, as one of his abilities, but um, having... is it, Red Wing is Red Wing, I th- yes. think, yeah. Having that as a support just allows that to reflect the fact that Falcon isn't a hero that acts on his own. He's always got a companion with him, and why not reflect that in the game? And the fact that you could then, whether it be uh, an animal or a, or a human sidekick or a, a vehicle or piece of uh, tech, like Brad says, just something whereby, you know, Jarvis for Iron Man or whatever can can level up alongside the character. Just seems like a no-brainer. But nice that they're able to bring it in at this stage. So, you know, they've been able to develop the game over four years, and now they can bring this thing at a moment of their choosing rather than feeling like they're scrabbling to add this in because the game's not grown as they would hope so uh yeah it just seems like an extra layer i think it definitely highlights the fact that the game seems to be going from strength to strength it's good particularly with the marvel license we know that marvel can be somewhat impulsive in how they react to their license if something's not, not going to too pull well the license, yeah, absolutely. yeah as we've seen with marvel versus capcom infinite and marvel heroes so we've had two relatively high profile marvel games die in the last 12 months it could be just as sudden for this I can safely say that if it does, I'll be sad to see it go. I wouldn't regret spending the money or the time on it that I have if that was the case, which is a positive thing, but I don't think that that's going to be the case. It seems like they are just taking this license and continuing to run with it. In fact, I've never seen the advertising presence so strong online for Marvel Puzzle Quest, which is a really cool thing to see. Also, with it being Marvel, I'm assuming we all have our favourite characters, our favourite go-to characters in the game. Is there anyone that stands out? Um, For me, I have a couple favorites. I think probably one of my favorites overall in terms of uh, just, I guess, the way that he plays is four-star Cyclops. Um, I like him because, I mean, he's strong. He's really strong. He's very, very offensively tough. But what I like about him is not the raw power, but his moveset is very different from others in that he's very chess-like, where if you plan your moves ahead of time, you can actually, like, run a whole board with him where you can get you know, three or four or five different actions in a row. Um, if you use one of his I-beams to drain a certain color from the board, it powers up his other I-beam. And then you can use that I-beam to like drop the right tile. And if that makes the match, then it powers up the first I-beam and it yeah, goes back and yeah. forth. I mean, if you if you really know how to work him well, uh, it's it's very strategic, very chess-like and very rewarding when you you get a, a good cascade going and you, 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 uh, you know, kill two, three guys in a row. And your turn just never ends because you keep going. Uh, but it's not broken. It's not It's not overpowered. It's It's very strategic. Um, also, I'm a big fan of uh, Four Star Wasp because uh, she has a power where she goes really teeny tiny and she hides inside of little uh, little nodes. And when people match those nodes, she explodes out for like this giant uh, 
punch. It like does huge damage. And it's it's not the most powerful move in the game. It's not the most efficient move in the game, but it's so cool and fun. I love just like the anticipation of, oh, are they going to match it? Are they going to match it? Oh, they <laughs> matched it. And then she jumps out and punches him in the face. It's like the best. Um, one other favorite of mine uh, is probably Cloak and Dagger. I think they're really interesting because uh, they're uh, they have a TV series coming up, so we're probably going to get real familiar with them pretty yeah. soon. But they were they were definitely not very well known um, from back in the day. But I liked them back then. So they're one of the few characters who are a pair instead of one character. You get two for the price of one, and it's so neat that one of them is in the front and one's in the back. And when you uh, activate one of the powers, they switch. And when they yeah. switch, they have a completely different move set. So that's adding like even more variety and depth to the oh, game. So although people think, you know, match three, yeah, I know what a match three is about. Sure you do. But there's all these other layers on top of it. I mean, the chess-like moves of Cyclops or the, the hide and seek of Wasp or like the back and forth between Cloak and Dagger to give you better board control. There's so much to these characters. And that it also just ties back into who they are from the comics, which I think just is like this awesome synergy. So those those are probably my three favorites. Although, honestly, they're like they're all my favorite. I don't like I don't dislike anybody, really. I'm, I'm a biggest Marvel fan, I suppose. Uh, so obviously I've got a much more limited take on this, having probably there were maybe up to about 40 characters in the game by the time I stopped playing. Um, and now obviously I'm seeing some more of the, the other characters now, but I've, I've not quite got through story mode now into the, the, uh, the open fields of the game as it were. I was actually reminded when I was playing the Xbox One version, completely different to Brad, and there's something about whatever the lowest tier Doc Ock is. Three star. Has an ability called manipulation or manipulate, where he just swaps a bunch of tiles around on the board. And it just is so fun. Like when, when you're looking at the board and thinking, I can't make anything of this, just pop that ability and watch the board just go absolutely haywire. I think um, Dr. Doom has a similar or Magneto, uh, the, those three characters have abilities that can do that kind of thing. But uh, Doc Ock just has one where, yeah, a bunch of blue, I think blue tiles, um, just all swap all over the place. And it's just fun to see chaos reign after that. Everything that, you know, the stuff when you've set something up and it hasn't worked and you can see that the board's kind of being set up by your opponent and you just think, nah, I'm not having this. And just fire that. It's It's just fun. I like the ones that are throwing in completely different abilities to what we see elsewhere. So something like Kamala Khan, where she'll automatically do an AOE heal on her teammates whenever either one of her allies fires a yeah, power that's off. Cool. Yeah. Um, it is very helpful um, in the three-star. I love... Uh, Wasp was a good example, but I also like Spider-Woman with the love-hate power choice is very good five star daredevil is a lot of fun to use where he becomes an absolute killing machine when he's below half health but he heals so quickly yeah you've got to try and keep him beaten up and i know uh five star thor has something very similar um gambolt just has an incredibly powerful passive move where he does thousands of points of damage uh, if there are four charge tiles on the board so that's kind of cool but I, I do like the um two tier move sets so uh, Cloak and Dagger, for example, Ant-Man um, is another one where you can fire a move off and then suddenly a whole different move set comes on top. So you got to be really strategically aware of where you're trying to go with pulling off these moves. And I, I think they are great. And uh, another one would be four-star Punisher is also a lot of fun to use um, because uh, if he's the last one left in your team of three, he becomes an absolute wrecking machine. So it, it's balancing out who you want left on your team, who, who you're willing to sacrifice sometimes. 
Um, but yeah, certainly the ones that have very different move sets to to everyone else. And like Brad said, just four star Cyclops is just an incredible <laughs> character. I'm actually using him in the latest event, even though I've got a five star roster. So that tells you how good he is. And then people like Red Hulk as well. Just so impressively different. I, I, I love the creativity that they have with some of these characters. I, I, I totally agree. And the thing that really gets me, the thing that I think is really the masterpiece, the little cherry on top of the Sunday, is when they're able to get those powers to really reflect like who that character is. Like Red Hulk, like you just said, yeah. he's just like this absolute wrecking machine. He only does like one thing, but he does it so well. Like you never want to fight him because he's just like so strong, but he's not nuanced. He's not hard to use. Build up in one color and you smash and that's all you do. You know, like he's a very straightforward character. But Cyclops, we keep coming yeah. back to Cyclops. He's like the team leader of the X-Men. He's very strategic and that really is reflected in his moveset. The Punisher, like you said, he's a loner. He doesn't work well with others. When he is with other people, he is not as good. When he is by himself, he is way stronger, which really reflects like his loner, just me and no one else kind of personality. So like other characters, when they do that as well, like when they're able to, to have what they do with who they are, that is just like the best. And that is to me like a step above average game design i think that demiurge really should be complimented with how often i mean they can't do it for every character is some yeah. some are more difficult to pull off than others but when they do pull it off it's just like yes i just yes <laughs> I, I love it like red hulk for example you get that he's just rage fueled you hit him and suddenly he throws moves on the board that cause cascades and he generates tiles and soaks up the one of the enemy's colors and then he just fires it out and attacks but depending on how many you have it's either one like a huge amount or a smaller amount, and I just think it's really, really good how representative a lot of the powers are of the characters. You know, you mentioned Wal where Wasp going small, Ant-Man goes small. It's these. It just adds a lot of charm to a game that you wouldn't necessarily expect to have as much as it does, and it, it still makes me smile when I think about it. So with that, we go on to our three-word reviews. We start with James. Uh, yeah, we heard from him earlier. Simon Sloth says, Not my quest. Ditches said Marvel speed tapping. Balefire says making people quit. Uh, Jack of all games. Don't buy ISO. And Pen's rule says Gambit versus Gambit. <laughs> that was a good one. Fair representation of the five star game. Uh, definitely the case. And I am, like I said, a problem. So in summary, let's have your wrap up, James. Obviously, I stopped playing the game after about six months, and I, I don't necessarily think I was wrong to do that because it was getting to me that whereas I used to be at the top of the rankings for events, I wasn't able to get there anymore, and I appreciated being rewarded, but it still got to me the thought that just, you know, someone else has a bit more time to spend on the game or a bit more money to spend on the game, that that was a limiting factor in my case, and that wasn't something I felt good about as i said farmville or um the injustice mobile games same sort of thing where i can see the 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 seams where throwing money at the game would would unlock stuff that i felt like i wasn't able to do and i think this game's far better in that respect than those that i've just mentioned but again today when i fired up the xbox one version there was something comforting about a flat fee for the game and knowing there are no microtransactions in, even though that means a lot of the stuff in the mobile version has been taken out, you know, a lot of, there's no daily events, anything like that. It's a very static game. There was something comforting about that, and I know I'm 36 going on 63 as I say that, uh, but yeah, it's still something I struggle to get my head around, all the different resources and the ability to, to pay extra money on like a daily basis if you wanted to uh, into this game. 
but that said, as far as that style of game goes on a mobile, uh, the gameplay has always been good fun and it is going back into it now, even if I get, you know, smacked down by uh, a really high level uh, Ragnarok boss in story mode or whatever. It's still fun waiting for my characters to regen and get back in. Uh, And that has not changed in the slightest. And I have to respect uh, Demiurge and D3 for putting together one of the best examples of a, of a, you know, pick up and play mobile game like this uh i it's been fun going back to it uh, and i'm i'm glad to have it uh, back on my phone for a little bit brad i've been playing for more than four years every single day and i'm still playing so they must be doing something right uh and whatever it is that they're doing is something that should be uh, applauded because i can't think of any other game in my experience anyway that has had the staying power or that has kept my attention for so long i mean i think the juggling act they have between making people happy without putting money in and uh, having a free-to-play be the core of their experience, as well as you know balancing the different power levels and the characters, and uh, I mean constantly new characters all the time. I mean keeping this this whole machine going, keeping all these plates spinning at once cannot be easy. So I have nothing but respect for these guys, uh, and the fact that this is not only still a playable game and an interesting game. But a better game after all this time is just is just amazing. Uh, I will always, always, always have a special place in my heart for this game. I'm still playing now. And to be honest, I don't think that I would ever stop. And I'm kind of trying to imagine like what I mean, it's not going to be forever. Nothing is ever forever. At some point, this game is not going to be around. The servers will go down and it's going to be over. And there will be like this giant hole in my life where Puzzle Quest used to go. So I'm trying not to think about it too much. Making me a little sad thinking about it. But it's it's been such a, a wonderful, wild ride, and I'm I'm really grateful for all of the five minutes here and ten minutes there that I've put into it because you know it's kept me sane when when I've been in in boring places, and it's kept me entertained, and it's it's brought me to meet new people that I've become friends with, and I've you know written articles about it, and I've talked to people. I mean, it's just been like so much bigger than just a match three would be uh, on its surface. So. I'm really grateful for all the good things. It's not perfect. No game is perfect. There's certainly things I would change. There's certainly some things that I haven't liked. But overall, in total, I think it's been a wonderful experience and a wonderful game and a real real masterpiece in terms of keeping something alive and evolving and current and vital. I mean, I, I'm trying to think of some example that's better than this, and I'm, I just can't think of anything. So despite it being this weird you know, humble match three on its surface, but there's so much more to it. And the story behind it is is so much more interesting. It's such, it's so much better than it has a right to be. Um, So I'm always, I'm always going to be nothing but uh, happy with Puzzle Quest and I probably will play it for as long as it exists. So would you still give it an 8.5 out of 10 then? Oh yeah. Solid. Solid. (laughs) That is so harsh. It's kind of strange because I've been playing it for four years and like Brad, I can't see any reason why I would stop. I don't think it infringes too much on my own personal time. I think it's something that I can pick up and play and have fun with, or it's something that I can plan for an event to approach it consistently over time, and I'll still enjoy it. I enjoy using the roster that I've got and realize I'm fortunate to have the five-star characters that I do, which allow me to sort of play PvP quickly, if you will. Um, and and get the reward that I want out of it. But I've also had the best time. So much has changed for me in the last four years. This has been one of the only constants throughout all that, Um, certainly gaming-wise. 
And a lot like Brad, this is easily the game that I've sunk more time into than any other. And I mean, it's not even close. Having a, like, I couldn't tell you what was second, but I know Marvel Puzzle Quest is the one that I've played the most. And I've had some wonderful times playing it. I have spent far too many hundreds of pounds playing it, but I don't regret that. And I've also met some wonderful people in the community playing it because community has been a huge part of Puzzle Quest from playing different alliances to buy rooms to shield rooms to just chatting with people. Um, It's been an absolute riot playing it. And I can't wait to see what's coming down the line i mean i'm still waiting for Sabretooth to arrive and that's a character that i've requested to d3 in their regular surveys that they put out for requested characters um i had a very short list to begin with it was uh carnage nightcrawler and Sabretooth, and we've had two of them so i'm still waiting on Sabretooth. um so you know maybe if he gets released i might think that that's the game complete <laughs> I probably won't. I'll probably be playing this until the day that the servers go down. Um, I absolutely love this game. It sounds really confusing with all the resources that we've talked about on this show. But honestly, it is the finest example of free-to-play. You do not have to pay a penny to get a lot out of this game. There is so much in there in terms of content and things to do. I just think it is absolutely wonderful. Agreed. If, if we're requesting characters, can I have Omega Red, please? Oh, yeah, I've requested Omega <laughs> Red once before as well. Uh, and Domamu. So it remains for me, Carl, to thank both James and Brad, as well as our correspondents, editor Ryan, who will be editing this podcast, and, of course, all of you for listening to us sing this game's praises over and over and sticking with us to the end. Uh, I know it can't have always been easy listening to us be this positive about a game. But if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and best of all, go to Patreon slash Rinse if you can and offer some money. It really does help us cover the costs for uh, web, web hosting and any other sort of ca- uh, costs that do come with running a podcast such as editing software and whatnot. Next time, in issue 315, we follow the story of four orphans from Ur as we return to our run of Final Fantasy games for 1990's Final Fantasy III.